Hello there, Padawans. Welcome back to the Star Wars Sunday show here on Han Talks First. I'm your host, Han, and it is episode 160. That's crazy. That's like two and a half years of the show. That's insane. And we have a lot to talk about today with a special guest who is joining me. And I hope you're having a great day. Hopefully we can make it a little bit better. Things we're talking about today include stuff about Knights of the Old Republic, the video game remaster edition that's coming out on pre-order. Rogue Squadron, we're going to talk a little bit more about its delay and the behind-the-scenes stuff that happened. We're also discussing Kathleen Kennedy and her three-year extension at Lucasfilm, along with, as the title of the video suggests, casting news for Sabine Wren in the Ahsoka series, coming to Disney Plus in a little over a year. So, like I said, we got a great show planned for you today. If you're joining us live, let us know in the chat who's here, and we'll say hello. And you're listening to Han Talks First. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. So yes, episode 160. Uh, and like I said, I have a guest here today. Before I bring him in, I just want to thank everybody for 870 subs on the YouTube page. That's incredible. With almost we're almost at the year point for when we started our YouTube channel and doing live video along with audio. So 870 is pretty good to me. And thank you so much, guys, for all of your support and comments and engagement. I can't thank you enough. This is really great. And it's it's hard. It's hard getting to that 1,000 subscriber mark. <laughs> it's one of the hardest things I've done as a podcaster. So thanks again. And um, if you're new to the show, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you're listening on the audio platform, Spotify, Apple, etc., subscribe, rate, review. It helps out so much and can't thank you enough for that, too. I also have one little other announcement, kind of a side announcement that I wanted to uh, share with you guys. And that is my short film that I told you guys about, Dawn, is just now in the festival circuits and it's making its ways around town in Los Angeles. And we just got accepted into our first festival, bite-sized film festival, and it's finally being shown at a film festival, which is really cool. Now, unfortunately, I cannot share the film with you guys yet. It has to complete its rotation at the film festivals, and then I'm allowed to make it public. But this was something really cool that I wanted to share, and I'm pretty proud of this little dumb short film I made. So <laughs> at some point, I'll share it with you guys, and um, if you want to see the picture that I posted, head on over to the YouTube page and you can see a, a little screenshot from the film. But yeah, um, so I said we had a guest today and it looks like he's having internet problems. So we're going to give him just a second before he jumps back in here. So bear with us. But right now it's just me. He looks like he just dropped out of my my stream here. So and he texted me saying he has internet issues which is a shame because we spent 15 minutes doing a sound check. <laughs> so let's just start off by going into our first segment of the show, which is Star Wars Replay. Enjoy. Star Wars Replay. Star Wars Replay is where we replay major moments and events that happened this week in Star Wars history. And this week in 1965, Mads Mikkelsen from Rogue One is born. In 1977 of this week, at the Hollywood Bowl, the first public Star Wars concert took place where Zumbin Meta conducted the Los Angeles Philharmonic. 
1983, CBS aired Classic Creatures Return of the Jedi, the first behind-the-scenes documentary on the creatures of Star Wars. In 1989, Alden Enreich, who plays Han Solo in Solo, is born. On a sadder note, in 2010, Irving Kirshner passed away this week in history. And finally, in 2020, Rosario Dawson makes her live-action debut as Ahsoka Tano in The Mandalorian. That's it for Star Wars Replay. Tune in next week to find out what major moments and events happened next week in Star Wars history. Great segment today. One thing I wanted to highlight was, of course, Irving Kirshner, the director of The Empire Strikes Back, who did a fantastic job. He died on the 27th of November, so that was this week in history. And he, was, he just brought such a new take, a very emotional take, excuse me, to Star Wars. And I, I, he just did such a great job. And he's long remembered, never forgotten. And, you know, he just did a great job. If you guys have any thoughts about Irvin that you wanted to share, fun facts or anything, let us know in the comments below. I will say hello to some of the people that have joined us in the chat today. Robin McFly, MJ Youngling, Max, and uh, yeah, welcome, welcome to the show. And like I said, my guest having internet issues, I just texted him telling me, just log back on, <laughs> see if you can get back in. But I think his internet went out. So if he comes back, we will add him to the show, but it might be a little later today. Uh, but thank you all for joining us live. And uh, thank you, MJ, for the comments. You like the, or Max, uh, you really like the logo of the short film. Thank you so much, Max. Glad, glad you like it. And I'm really happy to share. I can't wait to actually share you guys the whole video um, coming soon. Who knows when? I guess we'll wait to find out. So let's talk a little bit about some news that's going on in the Star Wars world. So the first thing I want to talk about is something that's not controversial or a hot take, and that is Knights of the Old Republic. It's getting a Master Edition re-release, and it's currently available on pre-order if anyone is interested. But it comes with a ton of surprises. So this product is filled with tons of things. This is the official press announcement from Limited Games, who is doing the release. It says the first will be a premium edition bundle that includes a standard version of the Switch game, a metal commemorative coin with emblems on both the dark and light side, a metal pin of the Ebon Hawk, a poster, a decorative steelbook, a series of concept art cards, as well as a certificate of authenticity. If those aren't enough to satisfy your love of the Force... There's also going to be a master edition that includes everything from the premium edition, premium edition and more, including two replicas of Darth Revan's lightsaber hilt, and also a vibroblade letter opener, a Pazak set, a hardcover strategy guide for the game, lithographs of some concept art, and even a replica of the original game's Xbox case. If you're watching this on the video platform, you can see all of these items, and this is incredible. I mean, the the thing that sold me on it was the Vibroblade letter opener. I think that is such a cool concept idea, but also a replica of the Darth Revan lightsaber hilt. That's really cool, too. But all of this stuff is on pre-order right now, and it's only $174 dollars and 99 cents i think that's a pretty good deal oh, everything considered that's a lot of stuff and of course the knights of the old republic is getting a lot of attention recently because they're doing a remake they're doing a remaster they have the switch game coming out and now also all of this stuff coming to us 
from limited games. Now, I do also want to say this was brought to my attention by Dean of Four-Legged Gamer, the YouTube channel that I have on my channel from time to time. He's also my Mando co-host when we watch the Mandalorian series, and he's really excited about this stuff too. So if you're a Switch player, you have something really cool to look forward to. I mean, look at all this amazing stuff you can have. It truly is epic, as MJ the Youngling put in the chat. Epic. And it just builds our excitement even more for the Knights of the Old Republic remake that's going to happen. I can't wait. Cannot wait. This is super exciting. And you know what? It looks like the guest who I'm bringing on, his internet is back and working. So let's try and entering him into the show. Everybody help me welcome Zach Valadon. What's up, buddy? You're back. Hey, dude. Sorry about that. You buy fiber optic network from space in the future from a galaxy far, far away, and it fails you instantaneously. It's hard to do, hard to do intergalactic podcasting. You're right. Yeah. I'm, I was nervous. I thought you weren't going to come back, but you are back. No, I made <laughs> it. I, yeah. Uh, that's what I get so, for letting a pretty salesperson sell me internet. See? I mean, that would happen to all of us. Don't feel bad. Um, <laughs> but now that you're here, I mean, you've been on the show before, but I'll, t- I'll give you a second to let everyone know who you are and what Star Wars means to you and just say hello. Yeah, totally. Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Zach Valadon. Uh, I'm originally from the Los Angeles area. Um, and I today I live in Oklahoma City. Uh, I, I host a podcast. I work in the publishing industry. I do a lot of things. Um, and I'm excited to be here with Han. Uh, I was actually, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the first guest ever on the podcast. Uh, you were the first guest ever. Yeah, done first in up. person in, in Los Angeles in like 2018 2017 yeah so, it was 2018 yeah that's wild congrats on making it this far and for the followership you've accrued it's well deserved and actually the episode that we did um, together the first guest appearance i had zach was me we did an episode called the top 10 greatest moments in star wars or something like that where we ranked our favorite moments in all the films and to this day it's still one of the most popular episodes on the show so thank you for being such a good co-host as well i love that thank thanks people for going back to the beginning and listening to han do his thing and if anyone wants to hear it it's episode two episode two so just go back in time on the audio platforms and you can check it out there and zach was also on our 100th episode which was done earlier this year um so yeah we got a great rapport with each other he's a great friend and there was something else i wanted to share about zach and that is you know he mentioned he's a podcaster musician he's in the publishing world but he's also a coffee connoisseur so check this out you guys know i love coffee while he's not a sponsor of the show yet i am a good friend and i want to promote this product because it's great so him and another buddy of ours omar who we'll have on the show sometime soon they have their own company moon life coffee Heck if you're watching yeah. the video i'm holding up one of their bags here this is the harmony blend which i got and it's really good you guys know i talk about it on every show i always have a cup of coffee with me and it's like it's my uh what is it called vice it's my uh <laughs> my fiend i always have to have coffee so i was thrilled that 
they started a company, but I'll let you tell people more about Moon Life. Yeah. Well, firstly, I'm glad to feel your addiction. That's, uh, that, that's uh, something that I live for. Coffee is also something that I live for. Yeah, Moon Life is something that Omar uh, and I conceptualized. Uh, we're, we're both big coffee fans. We're both, you know, really into, um, you know, working together. We've been best friends since high school. And uh, Omar, like me, is a musician, and uh, he plays the bass for a super sweet group in, uh, in Los Angeles called Aisa. Uh, among another of a, <laughs> a number of other things. And uh, so we decided we wanted to create a sustainable product from, you know, the acquisition of what's up, MJ, the youngling. Um, we, we wanted to create a sustainable product from, you know, sourcing the beans uh, from wherever that might be. So that means a good relationship with farmers and distributors. Uh, and, you know, the knowledge that it's being ethically sourced and fair to farmers. What's up, Max S 4646. That's a great number. The uh, other half is also the sustainability of our product, meaning, you know, we have compostable bags and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to be sustainable in, in delivery and everything. Um, the other thing we do is we plant a tree for every bag of Moon Life Coffee purchased. So, yeah, so every step of the way, you know, we want to be giving and um, it's been a a labor of love, a lot of fun. Um, And as a coffee lover myself, it's been great uh, to to explore the the business of coffee. It's different. Ultimately, what I want is to have a brick and mortar place for for people to come hang out, uh, develop community and, you know, just a safe kind of late night haunt for for kids and adults alike. I love that. And at some point, guys, Moon Life Coffee will be a sponsor of the show, and I will give you links and all this kind of good stuff. But until then, you can check out Zach on his social media, and you can you can ask him about it or find out where you can purchase it and stuff like that, too. But yeah, great stuff. Um, and I see some people are excited to see you today, such as MJ and Max and uh, Robin and all this kind of stuff. So looks like we're going to have a great show today. Your internet went out. I already talked about Star Wars Replay and Knights of the Old Republic. did you have anything about either of those two segments that you wanted to share knights of the older well the so for the replay is i i saw it earlier um you know cool stuff um i'm a big fan of mads mickelson so happy birthday to him uh you know outside of uh of rogue one i really love him in hannibal uh that that character is just haunting and incredible i still need Um, to see that Oh, it's it's such a worthy watch on Netflix. It's it's you know I, I rarely it's on, if ever, it's on Netflix. I rarely if ever binge things anymore, uh, but that was one that I like. I was gripped to, and Mads Mikkelsen is perfect in that. And then after that, I watched uh, Casino Royale, and I just could not see him as any other character but Hannibal. He he's perfect. Um, um, he's Galen, yes, in in Rogue One. Yes. Yeah, and. Yeah, uh, so. Yeah, Galen Urso, and uh, th- that's it's it's interesting to contrast that you know very empathic character with who he plays in Hannibal. Very, very interesting. He's got he's got a great range, and also I don't know if people know this, but the younger brother of Lars Mikkelsen, who is obviously Grand Admiral Thrawn. So yeah, uh, and I'm sure we'll address that today. Oh um, yeah, we're going to talk <laughs> a lot about uh, big Ahsoka time and casting today. Yeah, dude. Um, 
But yeah, the um, I just want to put it up again. All this stuff you can get with the new Knights of the Old Republic Master Edition is incredible. And, yeah, 175 uh, bucks. That seems like not a bad. Steal. That seems like a steal for all that. I don't even know what half of that shit is, but it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Switch players have something really cool to look forward to. Um, the next bit of news, I, I also see some more people are joining us in the chat. Hello, if you're watching live, put your name in there. Say hello so we can address you. Amidala just joined us. It's great to see you. I don't think we've seen you on a live show before, so thanks for watching the show. Good to have you. Um, and if you guys have any questions or thoughts or want to give your opinion, we'll try and address everybody today. But moving on to the next bit of news, um, we talked about it a little bit last week. I actually made a whole standalone video just about it and posted it on the podcast. But it's about Rogue Squadron. It's about the delay, how it's been delayed indefinitely. Originally supposed to have a 2023 release. And then recently they announced scheduling conflicts, heavy on quotations there. And it has been put on an indefinite hold and I just kind of wanted to get Zach's take on this to see, because I know you were excited for this and kind of hear, you know, what you think is going on really behind the scenes. Um, and if anyone wants to check out my uh, thoughts on this, where I go into deep dive on what's going on, you can go to the YouTube channel or listen to last week's episode on the cancellation of Rogue Squadron. And uh, I had a lot of people giving me feedback on that episode just saying thank you for expressing my thoughts in like a respectful way. Um, and I was, it's, it was so good to hear. I only point that out because I was really nervous about doing that episode uh, because I didn't want to seem too aggressive or frustrated, mm -hmm. but um, thank you. You know, people like Sith Care Bear and um, other people who have messaged me saying thank you for that video. So Zach, you know, I, I don't think we've talked about it, but I'm pretty sure you were excited for Rogue Squadron. And what, what did you yeah. think when you heard this news? I'm excited for any you know cinematic piece that, that comes in Star Wars, whether it's in the Skywalker saga or not. And you know my, my take on you know what's going on with with the Disney leadership, and and I hope I can be respectful too. But what's troubling to me about you know what I what I saw in the sequel trilogy, et cetera, which which by the way I love, uh, but I think. You know, when I think back on, and, and I'll try and tie this all in together, but when I think back on The Rise of Skywalker, for example, I think that it's, you know, it's this chaotic, lots of different concepts and, and pieces of lore being introduced for the purpose of kind of expanding on it in the Star Wars universe that, that Disney owns so, you know, that they can create other shows to expound on things like Wayfinder, so that they can, um, you know, build more of a world on, on sub characters, you know, the, the, yeah. la the Lando arc, um, you know, move forward with that and not really expand, <laughs> expand on things in the movie. And, and what that does is it pulls away from the narrative and, and it's what I like about the last Jedi so much, for example, because I think, that Ryan Johnson was really into telling the story and just, it, you know, it was a, it was a love letter to star Wars and, 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 and a very adventurous um, exploration of what star Wars can be. And it's not, it wasn't so much about, you know, creating other, you know, sort of story plots that they could drive with a show or with a comic or yeah. with a, with a novel, something like that. And so, all of that to say, you know, I think that 
that this Disney leadership is not really valuing people that want to tell a good story. You know, they, they don't value the Colin Trevorrow's. They don't value the Ryan Johnson's. It's probably why he got pulled off of the rise of Skywalker, because I'm imagining the way that, or, or rather Trevorrow, um, you know, they, they wanted to tell a, a super cool story and not instigate a, a, a series of other plots that they could go down with, you know, more merchandise and, and more, right. you know, which it's always great to have more Star Wars, but to, it, as much as I, I, I enjoyed the rise of Skywalker for how beautiful it was. And, and, you know, it, it was a cool narrative, but it, it was very plain, you know, it was, it was very cut and dry. And and I think it lacked what the prequels had in terms of just telling a story. And that's always been yeah. the great thing about Star Wars is that, you know, you, you, everybody says, you know, every single character that's in the background has a name and, right. and a, you know, a, a, a well fleshed out narrative associated with their character. And you can take that and run with it. You know, you don't have to, you know, make the plot all about giving you, ju- you know, burying the lead on what they're going to expand on in a comic book or something like that. And so I, I think right. that to me, that's my assessment. You know, they're they're not really, you know, with regard to Rogue Squ- Squadron, they they don't want to tell, you know, just a, a great story in totality. They're- I think so, too. And inside the article that this was broken from, which is um, by a news outlet, called puck the author i think it's michael baloney baloney <laughs> i think he he used to be the editor for the hollywood reporter so he's a, he's a credible source but inside that article he elaborated on which i didn't talk about last week but it, it said something having to do with you know the 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 press announcement is scheduling conflicts but in reality it's actually creative differences between both patty jenkins mm-hmm. the writer of the film and uh, the executives at Lucasfilm, Kathleen, Kathleen Kennedy. Kennedy, and also Michelle Rejwan, who I speculated was one of the reasons why I had the pushback last week. And a lot of people still don't know who Michelle Rejwan is. She's worked on every Star Wars project under Disney. She is the um, successor to Kathleen Kennedy, I think. I think Kathleen's going to give her the president of Lucasfilm when it's all said and done. But she's in charge of live action uh, projects at Lucasfilm. And so basically they went on to elaborate in this article that what the issue was with Patty Jenkins is that Lucasfilm has tons of micromanagement and a plot point by plot point committee process. Mm -hmm. And Patty Jenkins actually said herself, sorry for the language, everybody. uh, She isn't willing to dick around. (laughs) And, you know, this could be good, this could be bad, but to me it seems like a you know a corporate way of making movies, which Disney has been known to do in the past. But uh, you know we've also had projects that creators get to kind of have free reign. Uh, Ryan Johnson, for example, um, kind of got to make the story he wanted to. J.J. Abrams in The Force Awakens kind of got and Rise, I guess, got to make the story they wanted to. Um, and I've talked about several times how I think there needs to be a drastic change in leadership at Lucasfilm. And some of the things I mentioned was, you know, what you need in, in a leadership position, such as a studio head is innovation, integrity for your artists and creators, and also strategy. And I don't see any of those being represented 
at this time. And we'll talk about Kathleen Kennedy in a second. Um, but, you know, for you, Zach, when you hear a plot point by committee and micromanagement at Lucasfilm, is this kind of what you expect, like, kind of thought was happening? Or do you have other theories, too? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a profit world now. It, well, it always has been. That's that, <laughs> that's capitalism. Right. That's that's showbiz, baby. But that I think that's the unfortunate thing about you know who who's it ain't show hands... friends. It's show business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and th- and that's the unfortunate thing about where whose hands Star Wars is in right now. You know, it, when you when you think about a group of people just sort of looking at plot point plot point by plot point, they're like, like I said earlier. I I think it's a matter of you know, how can we make this into something else that we can market and then thereby profit under, you know, what's going to drive up the Disney plus subscriptions because we can blow people's minds. Um, right. You know what, what, like, you know, it, I, I think that that really is it, like Lando's involvement in the rise of Skywalker didn't really serve any other purpose other than like that brief moment at the end, <laughs> you know, on the, right. the, the, the celebration where let's find out it's like, Okay, that, like that—that's a clear indication that you can expect more content coming in the future that involves this character, and it's right. his his involvement served virtually no other purpose. I mean, you know, obviously he was a huge part of getting the the navy <laughs> to right. to uh, yeah, you know, at the, at the end sequence with Palpatine, but and that that's really that's like really all we can say for it though, like. He, he's just kind of thrust into the plot there and they've opened up the window to, you know, market and bring out more product. Yeah. I, I see a, a bunch of people kind of commenting on this situation, um, which I want to address a few here. Um, MJ says, aren't they replacing Rogue Squadron with an old Republic movie series, though? So that was the um, the rumor that wasn't inside this news article where all this info is coming from. But the the whole rumor was uh, Rogue Squadron is being pushed a year, but they're saving that theatrical date for another Star Wars film coming in 2023. I am not sure if this is accurate or not. I mean, it could very well be, but we don't know of any other movies that are being made for a theatrical release at this time. Um, but it was speculated that it was going to be an Old Republic film. Now, there is, there has been tons of development on an Old Republic movie and trilogy. We've talked about it before. It even has a very good writer attached, the first female writer in Star Wars, actually. Um, But there hasn't been any news since 2019. So I'm not sure if that's very accurate or not. And I also see some people commenting about Ryan Johnson, who was actually mentioned in this article that we're mostly talking about. Max says... There's a rumor that Patty Jenkins had creative differences with Lucasfilm, which is very likely. And I think the same rumor says that Ryan Johnson's trilogy is canceled. Totally. So that was in this article as well, um, that there's been other canceled projects and the author went on to notate Ryan Johnson was one of them. Now, again, this could be fake or not accurate. I don't think at this time it is happening but I, I, I really glad you brought this up, Max. So Max is actually a really big Last Jedi fan. And so is Zach. And um, I kind of wanted to get your perspective on the Ryan Johnson trilogy, which was announced in 2018 mm-hmm. or 2017. And since then, there hasn't been any movement 
to the public anyway. I personally don't think it's going to happen, not because I don't want to see that, but because I feel like Ryan Johnson wouldn't want to come back into that situation at this time and you know go through that same hatred and vitriol that he went through uh, when it was first announced. So, uh, Zach, being a Last Jedi fan, a Ryan Johnson fan, what are your thoughts on you know his potential series? Yeah, I mean, you said it best. There's there's a hard line in the sand drawn after the release of Ryan Johnson's film. And, you know, I only had to watch that like documentary that came on the uh, bonus features of The Last Jedi's. Um, I think I got it on the steel book for this one or the it was the Target release or something. And it was a great documentary. Oh, it was so. And I was the like, Last Jedi? I was like, this guy gets it like he like this is a Star Wars fan who also happens to be an awesome director, <laughs> you know, an awesome storyteller and told an awesome story. And I, a lot of people, I think, did, you know, didn't like that you know, for the remaining resistance, it was a, it was a box movie, which I thought was awesome. Um, what do you mean by box movie? Like, you know, a lot of it just took place in, in the ship while they're fleeing. Oh, you know, the, the whole sequence with Holdo and Poe and, the, and their differences. I mean, it, it was an immense amount of character growth for Poe, which I feel like they threw out the window for the rise of Skywalker for comedic relief. Ryan Johnson set up like, you know, a, tr- a true like hero's journey for all of the main characters in this part of the saga. And then they just kind of like made it silly. They like made Rise of Skywalker into a Ragnarok, in my in my opinion. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I uh, just I just remembered from hearing you talk about it. Me and Zach did another episode together called uh, The Rise of Skywalker. One year later, a retrospect. Uh, you guys can check that out, too. And Zach, I've actually had some people ask me if we can both do that again, but for The Last Jedi. So like maybe like a four year later's how The Last Jedi uh, holds up today. Um, I'm super game. I, I, I need to watch that movie again. So I would love to. <laughs> perfect. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of requests for those. I guess you could call it a rewatch review. Um, so, yeah, guys, maybe me and Zach will do that for The Last Jedi again at some point, because uh, thank you for the people who have asked to see that. I appreciate that. Um, MJ says, do you kiss your mom with that mouth? <laughs> I guess you're talking about the quote that I read. So um, not with that mouth. No, I don't. <laughs> uh, I want George Lucas back. Um, I think everyone would love to see George Lucas do something again, like maybe even like an episode of television. But I, I think he's done, man. I think he's retired. He's out on a boat. He's a out $4 billion dollar boat. A $4 billion. <laughs> Could you imagine? That'd be a giant. That's a cruise ship. That's a big boat. Um, yeah, so like we're going to move on to the next. <laughs> <laughs> we're going <laughs> to. That's exactly what it looks like. Um, so we're going to move on to the next bit of news, which is actually related to this Rogue Squadron thing. And that is about Kathleen Kennedy. So she has been renewed. Her contract is getting a three-year extension. Three more years of Kathleen Kennedy as a president of Lucasfilm and it was you know said it was rumored but it actually was confirmed by Frank Marshall her husband via Twitter even though Disney and Lucasfilm hasn't commented on this it was confirmed by Frank and it was also confirmed by Bob Chapek the president of Disney who said in an investor's call a couple months ago that he expects to work with Kathleen Kennedy as the president of Lucasfilm for many years to come so it could even potentially be more than three years of her leadership reign. 
Just to comment on this really quickly, again, I, I did a whole video on why I think the leadership at Lucasfilm needs a drastic change. It is linked in the description of this video. Please go check it out. I put a lot of work and thought into it, and I hopefully I articulated my thoughts in a well-mannered way. But check that out. Um, and just to kind of replay what I'm saying uh, for Kathleen Kennedy extending her contract, I, I really don't think this is a a good move. Now, it, it makes sense from a executive position at Disney to renew her contract because she she brings in crap loads of money. You know, every yeah. Skywalker film is made over a billion dollars. Uh, solo aside, also Rogue One made over a billion dollars. Mandalorians, those two series uh, seasons of the series have had award acclaim out the wizzow. And everything that is released tends to trend and or make a lot of money. So I see why her contract is extended. But again, to point out, I don't think it's a good idea because mainly strategy and innovation and integrity for the creators. You know, there's been time and time again where she has had falling out with the creators because she can't get on the same page as them. And part of the problem with that, it's fine to have those issues, but part of the problem is once she signs on a director or a writer, it's announced. It's announced without, I think, any dialogue of what the story could be. And it's announced to the public. We get excited. Months later, we find out they couldn't agree on the story direction they wanted to go, and there's a falling out. So it wouldn't be a problem if we didn't hear time and time again people that were announced are now getting delayed or you know, they're leaving Lucasfilm. And it's gone so far as to even... Directors who haven't even worked in Lucasfilm yet say they don't want to work at Lucasfilm because of this problem. Most specifically, uh, Christopher McQuarrie, who's directed the last couple Mission Impossible movies. He directed Edge of Tomorrow, or he wrote Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, I really kind of had hopes he would make a Star Wars film one day, but it's not happening. So, Zach, what are your thoughts on Kathleen Kennedy getting three more years and anything about this? Yeah. (laughs) Well... You, you know, you make you make a fair point. I think I think her, you know, she she does bring in the dough, and and so it's obviously a strategic corporate move. Which I think Star Wars is unfortunately corporate now, but that's just kind of the nature of the beast. the The thing is, is you know, if they if they got back to just telling stories, and she kind of got out of the way of that, you know. I see I see her as a business person, not a creative person. To me, you know, a good like I, I know that he's probably overbooked with uh, you know, keeping the lore, but Pablo Hidalgo would be a a fascinating choice for, you know, for the leadership. I think he he has better purview, would be able to, you know, sign off on decisions and and is connected with the fans and and understands what makes Star Wars great. And um, he is one of the author slash head of the story group correct he, yeah he is the he is the keeper of the story like everything passes through him and he checks it for you know like basically authenticity to the rest of the story you know he he keeps the narrative in line and basically you know what's interesting about pablo is ryan johnson said that you know he worked with pablo a lot while writing the story of the last jedi but then come to rise of skywalker and Pablo said he never worked with J.J. Abrams. So it's interesting mm-hmm. how is it, is that like a J.J. Abrams thing? Like he doesn't want anyone else involved. 
because I guess when Michael Baloney was talking about the plot point by committee, that would essentially be in regards to the story group in some ways, um, which in that case makes sense because they just want consistency. They want things to add up, take place in the right timeline. Um, right. But what, what do you think the situation was with Rise of Skywalker that they didn't consult story group? They they trusted JJ to 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 make a a consumable film, and I I think that they you know they'll they'll continue to you know to tap you know JJ's got the like the blockbuster and the and the and the saleability you know writing yeah. Lost or you know executive producing Lost or whatever his role was there and and you know for God's sake the man has you know he's made Star Trek films and, and Star Wars like you know. He, he, He's got the—I don't know if it's an egoic energy, but he's—he's he's got the 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 resume that says I don't need, <laughs> you know, somebody right, coming in and right. telling me how how to do this thing. And I don't necessarily want to speculate about like, you know, wh why or why not. But I I would, you know, I would venture out and say it's probably a, a JJ thing to not work with the great Pablo Hidalgo. I don't know if you follow yeah. him on Twitter, but he—he's just incredible. Like some of the stuff that he like kind of trudges up and brings out and and shows people with connection to some of the um um you know the like the the original like the trilogy. And stuff. yeah yeah exactly like some concept art that he, only he has <laughs> you know cool stuff oh yeah yeah i haven't followed him but I, i'm sure he does share a bunch of stuff like that and um just to highlight a couple of comments in the chat here max 46 says, to be honest, I'm very happy that Kathleen Kennedy will be staying at Lucasfilm as president, but she shouldn't fire so many directors. So I'm glad you're happy that she's getting an extension and to kind of um, not defend what I would say, but kind of play devil ad advocate to Kathleen Kennedy. Um, I think the main issue for her is she's trying to juggle the position of the president of Lucasfilm, a studio head, while trying to uh, act as the sole producer on a project. And it times if you're a producer on say it's rogue squadron and you're working with the director you're working with the writer you're coming up with a story and then you you approve it but then you put your studio executive hat on and you're like "Ooh, well actually we can't market this you know so i feel like maybe there's some kind of conflicting roles there happening with her where she presents it to her her bosses and they're like you can't do that and then she has to turn around and say we can't do this as a producer yeah. and then also um MJ says they should stop making movies to make money. They should just make movies to make movies and they'll get the bread. Yeah. Uh, and he also said, honestly, I just want good movies and shows. I think, I think that's what we all want in the how, end. How can they not see that like, you know, Star Wars fans and non-Star Wars fans alike eat up stuff made by like Filoni, for example. Yeah. And, yeah. and he, it's a labor of love for him. Like he, he loves his characters. You know, Ahsoka is massively popular just massively popular it was it was a huge thing getting introduced into the mandalorian that that ahsoka is alive and there right. and and they even like tastefully opened up you know ahsoka looking for ezra and thrawn and um i guess we can kind of transition into that um with our last bit of news um which then we'll kind of speculate on the ahsoka series itself but this was just announced two days ago mm. um, by Deadline. So it's pretty legit. And it is about the casting of Sabine Wren 
in live action form. She's going to be played by Natasha Liu Bordizo. Now, I myself have not seen anything that Natasha has done before. Um, but when I saw this news and heard about it, I was immediately very happy that they got one, an Asian actress, because Sabine is Asian in the show. And um, just just excited to hear Sabine is coming in general. Got me really hyped about it, too. Yeah. Um, so she... Uh, Natasha has been in things like Netflix's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. She's been in The Society. She's been in a movie called Crazy About You and tons of other stuff. She is a Netflix actor at this time. She has a contract with them. So it's mm-hmm. good to see she's kind of branching out and going into bigger roles. And to see her in live action as Sabine Wren is something I'm super excited about. And I saw this fan art on Reddit that I wanted to share of her in the Sabine armor, which I thought was really well done. This is by an artist named Morai Studio. Morai Studio. Mm-hmm. Um, great artwork there. Um, Zach, what do you think about this news about Sabine being cast? Hey, it's awesome that Sabine's going to be in the show. I, I really like the character of Sabine. I think I... your mic is muted. Uh-oh. Can you not hear me? Or maybe it's on my end. How are we doing? Hold on one second, guys. All right. Okay, I can hear you now. My okay. My Siri activated. Oh, reason. I see. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. So, go, what were you saying? Um. So, I, I love the character of Sabine, and I'm glad to hear that she's going to be in you know the Ahsoka show. It it's, to me, it's going to be like this ass kicking duo, and and I, I love you know Sabine as an artist. I think that that's something that Star Wars was really missing until. She got, I mean, even being dubbed the artist by the stormtroopers, um, just, just, a, a an awesome character. And, uh, I, I think it's going to be cool to see, you know, at one point she, she had the dark saber. So, you know, how, how could it be, you know, sort of tied back into the Mandalorian now that the dark saber is introduced there and right. Yeah. You know, what, what are the, the implications knowing that this is on the same timeline, you know, five years after return of the Jedi knowing it's there, you know, how are Sabine and, um, and Mando going to interact with each other? Uh, you know, what, what's it going to mean? Is there going to be a power struggle? It's going to be cool. Yeah. I, all that stuff and more is so, it's so exciting. And I, I saw, I think it was Max in the chat said, uh, you know, wasn't shocked to hear that Sabine is coming into the world. Yeah. I, I think we all kind of expected it. Um, because of how they've all the recent announcements we've seen in the past. So we'll, we'll transition into that and talk about some of the other castings we know about and kind of speculate on the Ahsoka series in general. So for me, Ahsoka, which was announced one year ago exactly, has, is really starting to feel like Rebels 2.0, which for those of you... Mm-hmm that have watched this show for any period of time, you know that Rebels is one of my favorite Star Wars projects that has come out. And uh, it's my favorite animated series of Star Wars so far. And I- I'm so excited to hear that we're getting all of these castings coming into play and how it's going to kind of pick up where Rebels left off at season four. But to kind of recap on the castings we know about, so we obviously know that Ezra is going to be played by Mina Masood, who was Aladdin 
for Disney, the live action. And then also going back to the Mickelson family we talked about earlier, uh, Thrawn is going to be played by Mads Mickelson's brother, Lars Mickelson, who, if I'm not mistaken, did the actual voice of Thrawn. He does. So, he does in the Rebel series. There we go. So that's that's really exciting to hear, too. And of course, of course, last two weeks ago, it was confirmed by deadline that Hayden Christensen is coming back in the Ahsoka series as Darth Vader. This one just is takes the cake for me. <laughs> I yeah. cannot wait for this. But all of these castings bring up a bunch of questions. What will the show be about? How will Vader tie in? Uh, things like that. So uh, for you, Zach, for Ahsoka, you know, how excited are you for the show? And what, what do you think we're going to get from the show? What do you think it's going to be about? I'm, I'm pretty stoked. I, so my, my biggest speculation is that we're going to see the end of Ahsoka. Um, you know, clearly she's oh, like her death. Yeah. That, that's, that's a, it's a fear of mine. Cause I love her character. Um, I didn't even consider that. That's actually a very smart guess actually. Yeah. Because I, <laughs> I could see another final showdown between her and Darth Vader uh, that doesn't go well for her. I mean, it would be awesome to see that. And, I, and I'm curious about what the implications are going to be also then on the Obi-Wan series. Um, yeah. Actually, well, I mean, obviously two very different points in time. But um, I, I would like to see uh, you know, a reintegration of the world between worlds. I mean, that was a huge part of her making it out of the you know the last fight that she had with darth vader and rebels i think and a I, lot of fans want to see world between worlds too yeah and, well, when... and sabine being in it too is is a huge thing yeah. because you know it's her talking about the properties of paintings and and you know like the like the mysticism of, of paintings that you know gets ezra to even access <laughs> the world between worlds yeah yes yeah. uh, speaking of sabine i forgot to mention this everybody so a while ago uh, I had a guest on my show uh, who was actually the first ever live action Sabine Wren, uh, the Disney character at the parks. Um, and she was the official Lucasfilm prototype for the character that would eventually be integrated into the TV show. Uh, her name is Yessi Riviera. And I actually have an episode all with her. I interviewed her about Star Wars Rebels, about Sabine. We talked about her experience at Luke with Lucasfilm. And about how she's met Dave Filoni and stuff like that. Um, so if you're interested, head on over to the on the YouTube page. You'll see an interviews tab in the playlist. And she's the first one there. You can hear our thoughts there. And of course, we'll have her back at some point. Yes, he's a great friend of both mine and Zach. Um, tried to get Miss her on today. Yessie. I know. Tried to get her on today. Um, but she was busy. Of course, she's a busy lady. Um, is but she guys, in New York City up. these days? Is that? She Yeah, she's in New York now. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's that's she's, rad. She's like a, a gypsy. She's moving all over the place. Heck yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully we can convince her to come on a show together, all of us again. That would be cool. Um, but yeah, uh, you mentioned something interesting about uh, Sabine, you know, being w one of the wielders of the Darksaber. And I kind of wanted to address that too, because Dave Filoni actually gave us a hint that we could see that come into the live action show as well. Dave Filoni, of course, the creator of Star Wars Rebels, of characters like Sabine, Ezra, Ahsoka, all that kind of stuff. 
He actually said, and this is from Deadline. He was interviewed by Deadline uh, a couple years ago, a little over a year ago. And when he was asked about Sabine potentially finishing her story with the Darksaber, this is what he said. It's definitely something I left hanging at the end. And part of that reason is it's always nice in my mind when we have another story to tell. Now, that was in regards to um, her story being completed. And he has an idea in mind of where he wants to take it. So we could maybe see a follow-up with her and the Darksaber. And then we can tie in Bo-Katan to... and Mando. Yeah. How sick would that be? It, it would. So, I mean, and I know, you know, obviously Sabine's motivation for wielding the Darksaber is a little bit disconnected at this point because of you know getting yeah. involved with the, with the rebels and you know the whole the mall cycle is over and it, it's it, you know she's she was sort of this empirically driven mando so to speak yeah. and i think it would be cool if if they introduced like a new motivation for her or something like that uh like what? To, I, you know, I don't know what it could be. Um, everything, you know, it's really disjointed. And I, and I think her, you know, her, probably her primary thing is, is finding Ezra given that she's basically become a part of the ghost family. Um, yeah. So, somebody mentioning the ghost crew in the comments, it was, uh, Amidala. Yeah. Yeah. Amidala mentioned it. And yeah, I thought it was really because there was a ghost cameo and I believe the Force Awakens. So we know the ship is still intact up to that point. Oh, it was in the fleet shot in Rise of Skywalker. It was it was in Rise of Skywalker. So something's going on there. And right. who's who's piloting it? Um I thought Ghost also appeared in the Force Awakens. I, I might be mistaken. Oh, did it? Maybe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was on like a landing dock somewhere that they went. Um, oh, probably i'll have to look it up but yeah so it, it appear uh, in in that case if i'm right it appears multiple times across the sequel trilogy as well oh, i think you're right i remember someone posting that on twitter the screenshot of the mm-hmm. ghost ship in the background i think yeah. you're right so you know who's piloting that and uh you know to what extent is is that crew going to be involved in the ahsoka show with sabine being there yeah and uh to go off that uh you know because we have Thrawn coming in too on other things we could possibly see in the show. I was recently at Universal City Walk in Hollywood and me and my girlfriend went into one of the the nerd shops there. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> and we stumbled across the Star Wars section and they just re-released this brand new um, figure of Thrawn from the Heir to the Empire book that version and in the box set it also had a a small figurine of the salamari which uh is one of those creatures thrawn would wear around his neck in the book Mm -hmm. and it had it's the only ability or the only creature to have this ability to kind of cancel out people's force or ability to use the connect with the force for some amount of time so they can attack them better um i think it was an heir to the empire it could have been in the the follow-up but we, you know, I was just want to speculate. Maybe we could see that creature come into Star Wars too. That would like blow people's minds, you know. And it's that such a cool, cool lore add-in for that for that character Thrawn. And because you mentioned Sabine is probably looking for Ezra, Ahsoka is clearly looking for Thrawn. So them maybe getting together to both hunt for them 
is what we'll see as well. And, you know, but what a purpose to find Ezra would be just to, I guess, save him from his departure in season four and just to make sure he's doing okay. But what do you think could be another reason for Ahsoka to heavily want to find Thrawn again, as she said in The Mandalorian? Hmm. I mean, obviously, he's still working and has these small factions of bad guys like we yeah. saw. I mean, you know, the, obviously, the First Order rises in the wake of Return of the Jedi. And, you know, with, with Thrawn being basically the, the, the strategic and tactical, you know, brilliant answer to Spock, <laughs> you know, from right. Star Wars, you know, what, what is he going to be trying to do? Um, and, you know, in, in what ways maybe is he you know, trying to corrupt Ezra or, or, you know, wh- whatever it could be. I mean, Ezra kind of has the dominant power hand there at the end of Rebels, but I, it, no, it is curious. I, I think I haven't speculated too much about what Thrawn could be trying to do, but my best guess is that, you know, he's probably trying to create something a la the first resistance or maybe he has an actual hand in in the rise of the first or the the first resistance the first order and you know and perhaps you know he he's a huge part of that and we know the empire is like somehow still intact at the end of return of the jedi you know you've got grand moff gideon you've got all these empire base posted up the clearly like stormtroopers are still you know, being paid <laughs> to do work. <laughs> right. And and, it, and it's just, it's really, you know, it's interesting. So he, he's definitely got sympathizers. Or he's definitely got people active and, and trying to, um, you know, sort of continue their, their hold on the galaxy. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, Sith Carabar, welcome to the show. Glad you could make it. He brings up again that, you know, uh, that he was, Ezra was with Thrawn when they both went into the Unknown Regions at the end of Rebels. And so something I want to propose is maybe, maybe, what if Thrawn has turned Ezra to the, quote, dark side and made Mm -hmm. him an ally? And because if you look back at, I think it was season two of Rebels, when Admiral Callus or Agent Callus and Zeb are caught in a cave together, on some planet, they um, ended up forming a bond and Zeb was able to convince Agent Callus to leave the Empire and kind of join them. Mm-hmm. It might have been season three. So maybe we could get the same thing, but reversed. Yeah. I don't know. Do you think that's possible too? I'm, yeah. I'd like the, the thing it kind of brings up in my head is like the Hunger Games when the Capitol brainwashes uh, um, PETA against Katniss. Or oh, if yeah, you're familiar okay. with that series, like like they use like the tracker jackers and like you know Thrawn's a, is is brilliant. What you know, what could he do to Ezra that is like almost like a brainwashing? You know, doesn't right. even really because Ezra's really uh, you know a pure and good character, and yeah, you know he, he's obviously twist. been tempted by Maul and right, and you know that there he he definitely probably has a weakness just as any other Force wielder does for for the dark side. Not that Thrawn has a history, yeah. Yeah, so he's got he's got the history, um, but Thrawn is is also like really you know pragmatic. Could sway him that way, or you know do something to him. I don't I don't know. Maybe there's like some kind of chiss, uh, like brainwashing ability (laughs) or something that he's (laughs) maybe. I mean, 
the guy knows how to convince people to do stuff or he just talks so well. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, I would be, it would be really interesting to see like some kind of like struggle with Ahsoka fighting against, you know, like an older, more developed Ezra that like, that is a, you know, a formidable opponent to her that is like brainwashed yeah. against her and against Sabine. Oh, that'd be so great. Uh, the other thing I wanted to kind of bring up too was talking a little bit about more like where where in the universe this could take place. Um, you mentioned, of course, timeline wise, it's five years after Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. in the Mandalorian era, uh, the show era. Um, obviously, they were shot into the unknown regions at the end of Rebels, so we could be going there. But there was something else that I wanted to point out that was actually implied by Dave Filoni himself of where we could actually be going in this show. And one of it includes a certain planet. So Dave Filoni was asked or he at the rebels reunion celebration thing a couple years ago, like two years ago, uh, he was actually asked about the show and what could actually happen. And he said uh, to this crowd, he made a, a little sketch drawing, which I'll show on screen in a second. He said, I tried to think of something to sketch for you all today, but I couldn't come up with something from the past. So I drew up, a possible future instead. And he, of course, posted this on social media about a year ago. And it's a picture of Sabine and Ahsoka on a snow planet. Mm. And one of the possibilities I want to share of where they could actually be going in the Ahsoka series is Casilla, which is in the unknown regions. And it's actually the home planet of Thrawn. Mm-hmm. This would make so much sense and the fact that Dave Filoni has been thinking about this show for so long also makes me so, uh, you know, positive about that. I'm this is going to be a good show. I, I have a lot of faith in it. Um, but Zach, have you seen this photo before? I have not actually. This is the first time I'm seeing this. So that, that's that's really interesting. The, that whole the Thrawn's home planet and like the the, the uh, from what you know little I know. Um, you know, there's a lot, there's like a lot of force sensitivity there among like the young girls. And mm-hmm. so it, like, it could be an interesting place for Ahsoka and Sabine to go. Um, I do too. And um, of course it could also tie in with the Salamari. I think, I really think that's right. going to be in the show too. Yeah, that could be. You, it's uh, like the, the, I mean, it's kind of non sequitur, but like, the the way I understand is the Chiss girls, like the the young girls, like are force sensitive, and they're they're used as something called Skywalkers, um, right? As they you know, as like they they travel for whatever reason, oh, they're navigating, right. yeah, and they that's they right. lose their force sensitivity upon adolescence, like like around thirteen or fourteen years old, they just like lose the the ability that they had, and so they like they basically lose their <laughs> their, their practicality for for the Chiss people. I think I think you know what we're just overall talking about is there's there's so much good lore behind all this stuff and it's just mm-hmm. it's so exciting that we're gonna see it in live action. I mean we might not, but yeah, <laughs> there's there's a lot of stuff that places we could go with uh, with this show. And um, just to kind of address some people in the chat here, Sith Carebear says maybe Thrawn is starting the First Order, and Ezra has been manipulated into helping bring back Palpatine. Maybe he's using Ezra's body for the cloning. (laughs) Yeah, to make like a Snoke, basically. They do love their cloning in Star Wars. They really, they really do need to flesh that out soon. And and I think you know it would be really 
good to understand, you know, how the acolytes sort of like develop the ability and where, I mean, it, it obviously had already been done because we know, you know, based on the novelization of the rise of Skywalker, that Palpatine basically threw his consciousness to a clone as he, like right before he died in yeah. uh, return of the Jedi. So the clones are made and maybe not perfected yet, and that's why he has like this, you know, beat to shit, bad clone body <laughs> um, that Kylo Ren first encounters in yeah. The Rise of Skywalker. So the, this has already been set into motion by Return of the Jedi. Um, but how was it done? And, right. you know, and, and you know, to that end, it still it still could be that Ezra and Thrawn are involved to that to some degree. I think so. Uh, I mean, it was it was hinted at in Mandalorian too that we'd possibly get more answers to those questions about the cloning and stuff. And to also tie it in with the Mandalorian, Max brought up an interesting point. He says, "I'm pretty sure that Moff Gideon is working for Thrawn." That's a a very cool idea, and it looks like a couple people agree with Max as well. I could see that being a possibility, mm-hmm. and of course. Moff Gideon was absolutely shitting his pants when Luke Skywalker showed up. So maybe it could tie in <laughs> with that too. And we could see more of that. Amidala shares her thoughts and says, I think Thrawn could experiment with him with Salamari or something. And the Empire wanted to experiment with Grogu too. So a couple little, I guess, comparisons there, which is cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, if they wanted to clone, you know, like a force user, like like they clearly wanted to do with Grogu, um, Ezra would have been prime for that as well. Yeah. So to me, like the fact that they have like that there's always there's already some cloning going on with the acolytes. Um, I'm I don't know why I feel like a like a dummy, but I'm totally blanking on the planet <laughs> in Rise of Skywalker. Exegol? The, like, Exegol, yeah, Exegol. So like you know there there's something going on Exegol that to me seems disjointed from yeah. you know Thrawn and and everybody but it it would be nice to sort of get some clarity on you know who's doing all this cloning and how it's happening like how the like how the the snoke bodies are being made and to what extent this is involved um, by the way i cannot i cannot talk about this on the air but if you guys remember like a little over a year ago jd dillard um, director writer was in talks of developing a movie for Star Wars that was centered around Exegol and it was going to be a kind of horror Star Wars film. Mm. Um, there hasn't been any like word to the public about like its movement and its progress so far. Through my work, I actually found out some stuff about his Star Wars project. I cannot talk about it on the air, but I can just hint to you guys that he's still working on it he's still working on his star wars movie i mean who knows maybe that's the speculated movie slate that could take place in rogue squadron i don't know um i wish i could elaborate more but i don't want to lose my job (laughs) i just i forgot i wanted to share that with you guys that there is still work being done on that project right now which is really freaking cool um Zach, I'll tell you after the show. <laughs> Sweet. Sweet. Um, ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but I, I know a lot of people in the past have asked me about J.D. Dillard's movie. So that's why I just wanted to share. Like, yeah. it could still happen, guys. Don't worry. The last thing I want to say about, like, where we could possibly go, I would really like to go back to Lethal and see a live mm-hmm. action Lethal. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe Ezra goes back home or something after yeah. they find him. Uh, but I, I just love the look of Lethal. I mean, it's basically Tatooine 2.0, but it's just a little cooler. Yeah. And to see another Loth cat, I think we got it in... Was it Rogue One or Solo? I can't remember. Mm. It was one of those. We saw a loath cat, but loath cats are so cute. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, uh, finally, this show is expected to come in fall slash winter of 2023. So it's not too far away. And we do know they're starting to shoot next year in, I think it was May of next year. So mm-hmm. we'll start to get a lot more news and hopefully, probably at celebration next year, they're going to have a whole slew of announcements for this film, which I'm so excited about. Um, but that's that's kind of the whole show we had planned today as far as like main topics and stuff. Um, if you guys have any last minute thoughts, put it in the chat and we'll we'll say hey to you and see what, what's going on. Um, but Zach, any other things you wanted to kind of touch on for Star Wars World? Related or unrelated? <laughs> uh, I still have, you know, lots of uh, after um, after visions. I'm, I'm, I, I really love visions. I don't know about you. Yeah, tell me yeah. about. I know we wanted to talk about. Tell yeah, about that's true. Visions. I, I was just like, you know, something you were mentioning a little bit ago about like, and I, I was thinking about Sabine and how sympathetic she was to the Empire at the at the beginning of her career, basically in her teenage years. Um, it kind of reminded me of that in the Hop and Ocho. Uh, episode like how Ocho is or Lop 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 and Ocho how Ocho is like you know the Empire is good for you know our planet and, and our community and at ba- I don't want to actually I shouldn't be spoiling anything um, in case anybody hasn't watched Visions but I would definitely recommend the Lop and Ocho there some of them are are very hit and miss for me but like the the Ninth Jedi such a good episode oh that was great um. The first one, um, with the name is uh, escaping me, but we're getting a novel about that character. Um, oh, the the Ronin. Yeah, That's Ronin. Book, yeah, but... yeah, Ronin is the character. I can't think of the duel. It might be the no. The duel is the is the twins. I think isn't it? No, no. The the twins is the twins. Yeah, I All think right. it might just be the duel. <laughs> uh, the book's out. Ronin is out. Oh, Ronan is out. That's excellent. Yeah. That's how that's how disconnected I am lately. Um, <laughs> I've got to read Ronan because I loved that character. Um, there, and most of them were were really solid, but the Ninth Jedi, I think, was was amazing. Just sort of that, like, you know, future dystopian lightsabers lost to time. Such a cool concept. Lop and Ocho was a was a a surprise hit for me, and then um, the Elder. The Elder was, I think, oh, my my favorite one. So cool, uh, like just the like the philosophical underpinning of like of you know power is is not is is an egoic thing that that goes with time, and yeah, it, it was it was just really neat. Um, definitely would highly recommend Visions. But you know, you, you had me thinking about Lapinocho, and I know those things aren't necessarily canon. Um, yeah. To, well- yeah, I guess it's all on, you know, your preference, I guess. It doesn't have to be, but it could be. Uh, yeah. I, I really loved Visions, too. Guys, I did a really short 
uh, video on Vision's uh, kind of a top five fun facts about the show, about the creators and things like that. You could check it out on the channel. Um, but I, yeah, I really love Visions. The Ninth Jedi was my favorite. Mm-hmm. And uh, another connection to my work, actually, the director of The Ninth Jedi is he just directed the anime version of uh, Blade Runner that just got released on Amazon. So you guys should check that out too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I see some people agreeing. Visions is epic, definitely. And of course, just a random comment. Jar Jar is the true Dark Lord of the Sith. Darth Binks, of course, baby. Darth Binks. Lisa Gonkiria. Um guys, Star Wars is awesome. Zach Valadon is awesome. Um, I don't think you mentioned the name of your podcast if you want to share that for everybody. Oh, sure. Yeah. I've been I've I it's it's a fairly irregularly updated thing for me as my you know professional life is is can sometimes be very, be very consuming. And I'm working on my master's degree right now, but I am posting a new episode this week. You can find me on the pen the sword. I have a great episode with Han. Uh, earlier in the year or, or i guess maybe it was 2020 <clears throat> it was born out of just needing to make connection yeah. with people during the pandemic and uh i've continued it on and i just connect with creative people and try to get a sense of how they do what they do and why uh what the process is and try to you know learn a little bit more for myself about how i can improve my creativity and my lifestyle so uh, very cool. I've had, you know, I've had like marketing directors on, musicians, writers, uh, yogis, uh, just small business owners, small business owners, you know, t- like sh- sort of running the gamut across like high performance creatives that um, seem to do what they do way better than I do. Yeah, uh, you guys should go check it out. The Pen, the Sword podcast, you know, anywhere you want to listen to podcasts. Uh, I-, I highly recommend it. Very good conversations with creative people and inspiring in a lot of ways. Um, but where can people find you online, Zach? Yeah, you can catch me on the, on the gram at, at Zach Valadon on the Twitter at, at Vachary Zaladon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'm on Facebook. Uh, you can find my music under pretty well on Spotify, Apple music title, wherever you like to, have your music distilled to you by corporations. I'm there. <laughs> Me and Zach actually used to play music together, everybody, back when he was still in L.A. We did, so yeah. I do recommend checking out his stuff, too, uh, for pretty well. Great stuff, great tunes there. Bless um, you. Well, dude, thanks for being here. We'll have you back because um, people obviously love seeing you here, and we'll, we'll plan some more episodes in the future. I'm grateful. Uh, Let's do that Last Jedi thing. I would love that. Hell yes. I think, yeah. if I remember, when we did The Rise of Skywalker... It was me, you, and Dean. Does that sound right? Yeah. I think that's true. We did with Dean, and then we might have also, or maybe that was the 100th episode. I'll have to look back and see, but maybe we can get the same crew together. That would be um, cool. Or, y- yeah, you could get a, a Last Jedi hater since I love The Last Jedi. And we can. Well, that would be me. <laughs> so we're even. Uh, that's maybe, right. maybe not hater. I just don't like the movie. Um, but yeah, I thought you said it grew like... on you a little bit in in hindsight. Oh, no, given that that was the... not me. Oh, okay. <laughs> it must have been I somebody will... else. Uh, I will. If we do the Last Jedi look back, um, if if we get other people to join us, we should have two and two. Two people that really love it. Two people that really don't love it. Yeah. And have a little better conversation about it but it's 
I think we should do it. I'm totally down for that. Totally. Um, well, thanks again, man. Uh, guys, go check out Zach on social media. Uh, I tag him on Twitter and Instagram. So if you want to find him that way, just go to my stories or whatever you see in there. But thanks, buddy. We will see you again soon. And uh, for the rest of you, you know, everyone who joined us live today, MJ, Sith Care Bear, Max, of course, uh, Robin McFly, Amidala, uh, anyone else whose name I missed, thank you guys so much for joining us live. And if you're listening on the audio platform, thanks for listening. Again, subscribe, rate, and review. It helps out so damn much, and I appreciate every single one of you. If you want to go the extra mile and support our show, you can go to the link in the description, streamelements.com slash first slash tip, where you could tip the tip me and you know buy me some coffee, help get this show running, keep us on the air. Um, you can also submit questions or whatever, and we'll use them as main topics on the show or standalone videos. But yeah, what do you guys think about all the news today? You know, the big one being Sabine Wren is cast. Natasha Liu Bedizzo is going to be Sabine Wren in live action. Bunch of great stuff. Can't thank you guys enough again for being here. We will be back next Sunday at 12 p.m. Pacific. You can join us. You can engage with us live, or you can just kick back and wait for it to release on the audio platforms. So again, guys, thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you again. But until then, somehow, some way, somewhere this week, may the force be with you. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first.